Hey, and welcome back everyone to another episode of the Women Today podcast. And I'm your host, Emma Title. Thank you so much for being here as always. I'm so grateful to have you as a part of this community. And if you've been here a while, you know that today and this month of June, I've been going a little bit off the cuff and just following my flow and my instincts around what we are talking about this month. And if this is your first time here on the podcast, welcome. I'm so grateful that you found us. And I think you're going to get a lot out of today's episode. So I wanted to just give you some background and context before I jump into it, which is that over the past year, I have had the honor and the privilege of working with a group of women physicians in Canada and supporting them in a beautiful course called The Aftermath. And it's put on by two wonderful women who are dear friends and colleagues of mine. And they run a company called The Understory, where they are providing mental health and well-being courses, personal development courses for Canadian physicians. And so they have been inviting me in, and I've been getting to have these incredible conversations and dialogues and workshops with these women in Canada who have been on the front lines over the past year in the pandemic and really are wrestling with, grappling with, you know, what now, what next after the intensity of the last year, particularly being part of the medical community. But these are also women just like you and I, who are constantly questioning, examining, examining, grappling with our lives and how do we feel ultimately fulfilled? How do we attend to our soul desires and also not neglect our worldly responsibilities and everything that we have on our plate? And so last night I was able to be with this group again, which was amazing. And I thought, why not share some of the workshop content that I was leading them through? Because I think it could be really valuable regardless of what you're doing for work in the world. So I'm taking a lot of the concepts we worked with there and I'm adapting them for you all so that you can think through these questions if you're feeling stuck, whether it's professionally or personally or in any area of your life. So this is a little bit of a different episode. It's kind of more of a workshop style. Um, So if you're listening to this one on the go, it's something you might want to come back to when you're able to have a pen and paper or computer in front of you. But either way, I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So I want to start out by talking about our desires as women. And I think the subject of desire is such a hot topic and such an important area of investigation. Because what we want in our lives as women has a lot of power to it. It has a lot of information and it's also complicated. I think sometimes it's important to ask ourselves, okay, we think we want certain things, but why do we want what we want? Is it because it's what we truly want from the inside out? Is it because of cultural or familial conditioning? Is it because of you know, the ways that we've been influenced by social media or other aspects of the economy or society? Is it because we, you know, we want what we want because we only believe we can have so much? Um, There's so many different parts to the psychology of wanting. And there's a very intense fear that I think we have in general of what we want, both we have it for ourselves, 
but there's also a societal and cultural component of women's desires and women's aspirations being threatening to the status quo. And we're living in such an exciting time where so much is getting broken down, dismantled, unhinged around that. And it is such an exciting time to be a female. But at the same time, the it's it's a slog and it's an uphill battle. And many times it can be very confusing to actually know what we want and then to also feel empowered or entitled to go after what we want. Our desires can bring up a lot of fear and also the potential of wanting and not getting what we want can also bring up a lot of fear and anxiety. So one of the things I like to talk about is how, you know, so many of us, we've been really indoctrinated into this good girl culture. You know, we've been trained to be responsible, to be successful, to be likable, um, depending on our background and all of our different intersectionality. And oftentimes, many of these things are in direct opposition to our authentic desire. Not always, but oftentimes. So one of the women that I really love and inspires me deeply is a woman by the name of Tara Sophia Moore, who wrote Playing Big. And in her book, she breaks this down really beautiful that oftentimes the very traits that make us successful or allow us to get ahead, be the straight A student, you know, kind of attain the carrots that society says are going to be good or meaningful or make us good women, good people in in the world are often the very same traits that actually set us back when we are in more of our full-blown adulthood and trying to create a life and relationships and a whole way of being that is actually generating fulfillment and happiness. So sometimes we have to actually untrain ourselves. We have to kind of uncouple these ideas of goodness and responsibility and success and likability so that we can feel our authentic nature and actually what we gravitate towards. So I'm not saying this means to become totally irreverent and irresponsible and, um, throwing caution to the wind and neglecting or harming relationships or things we've worked really hard to attain or get. I'm not suggesting that at all. But what I'm talking about is that we need to do the deeper, more subtle work of unpacking our actual values and our actual sense of self and our desires and where we want to be leading our lives. And sometimes this can be really frightening because it's in exact opposition or it's antithetical to our sense of self and identity. And oftentimes um, when that's going on, we are so afraid to go toward it that our body and our mind will start to manifest symptoms and reactions to us to get us back on track, to get our attention and say, hey, you know, this isn't working. Your energy can't sustain itself. You're burnt out. You're depressed. You're severely anxious. Your relationships aren't working the way you want, whatever it is. But life will provide us this feedback to, from my opinion, get our attention and get us more in alignment or more in integrity. Um, Another beautiful resource in addition to playing big is Martha Beck. Martha Beck, for those of you who don't know, is, is kind of like the grandmother of life coaching here in America. And um, she wrote a new book recently called The Way of Integrity. She's written so many books, trained so many people. But this Way of Integrity book, I, I just finished it. And I was laughing out loud because she has so many hilarious examples of how we sort of 
get into denial as humans about who we are, what we actually love, what we actually want, where we're actually going, and how all of this confusion and circuity and lostness can emerge when we're not actually owning and claiming who we are because of all the fear that we will be rejected in, in our authenticity. So that's another fabulous book if you're looking for something good to read over the summer. So with all that being said, I want to just give you some really great prompts today to sort of workshop both your professional life and your personal life. So we're going to start out with the professional life and the the invitation here is for you to really just get into stream of consciousness writing. So it's almost like a brain dump or um, some people will even try to write with their non-dominant hand, but we're trying to get beneath the intellect, beneath all of that training of right and wrong, good and bad, what's going to work, what's not going to work, and actually get more into the soul speak, the deeper current of who you are. And so we're just trying to allow that stream of consciousness and not edit, not interrupt, okay? So when you're ready, you can pull out something to write with or the computer, and I'm going to just ask you a series of questions. And I would invite you to pause the podcast, give yourself, you know, you could anywhere from two to five minutes. Um, You don't need to go too long, but just let yourself get it all out. Okay. So the first question is, what do you think you want professionally? And the second question is, how do you feel about your your current industry or system that you are working in? Do you feel empowered and autonomous in your role or do you feel oppressed and controlled? And so we're all in a vast array of situations. You might be in the restaurant industry, you might be in the childcare industry, you might be in mental health, medical worlds, Um, hospitality, wherever you're working, just think about the broader system that you're working in with this question. So do you feel empowered and autonomous in your role and in your part in the system, or are you feeling oppressed and controlled? And the third question, throughout your workday, Do you have periods where you feel joyful, in flow, in alignment, and energized? If you do, and you may or may not, so it's just being honest, yes I do, no I don't. If you do, when do these moments of flow and joy and alignment and energy usually come? Is there a predictability to the activities or experiences that lead to this feeling of professional satisfaction? Or does it feel random? Is there a pattern or you just can never predict when it's coming? And then the fourth fourth question is looking at the opposite. So throughout your workday, do you have periods when you feel exhausted, resentful, and dissatisfied? Yes or no? And if you do, when do these moments usually occur? Is there predictability to the conditions that result in you feeling professionally unhappy and dissatisfied? Or is it random? Does it just kind of bop you on the head and surprise you? And then the fifth one is, what, if anything, would need to change for you to have more satisfaction than dissatisfaction during your workdays as a whole? 
So we're not looking for perfection. We're not looking for loving every single second of every single hour that you're working, but we're looking at the whole. So what would it take for you to have more satisfaction than dissatisfaction during your work days? What would you need to change, to let go of, to alter? Beautiful. So take as much time or as little time as you need to explore all of those questions. And then before I go into the personal life section, I want you to just um, know that our work lives as women are such an important domain. It's not only how we make money. Yes, that's incredibly important. And if you're interested in the money conversation, you can head on back, scroll back in the podcast because I did an entire month on women and money, and I'm going to keep bringing that conversation here to the podcast. But our work is also how we exchange with the world. So even if you are you know, primarily taking care of children right now, your own children working in the home, it is how we are giving and receiving from something with something outside of ourselves. It's also how we have the capacity to influence and shape culture and society. So again, whether you're being paid or not, if you're raising children, if you're doing a lot of that domestic labor, you are, you're raising the next generation. You, you have a huge role, a huge influence. And, and I love nothing more than for mothers to feel incredibly empowered in that participation and shaping and exchange with the world. Because our children are more than just our family. They're human beings. They're citizens that are going to go out in the world and have an effect. And we have a huge influence, not total control, obviously, but we have a huge you know ability to shape and to support the well-being of these human beings who are then going to go out and participate in the broader worlds at school, in their work lives in the future, in their families, in their communities. So our work is, I really like to think about it on a multi-dimensional level. Yes, it's income, it's livelihood. It's also exchange with the outer world, something outside of ourselves. And it can also be our soul. It can be our fulfillment. It can be our creative fruition. It doesn't have to be all of these things, but I think it's important to think about what does your work life mean to you and what is it important that your work fulfills? For some people, it's like, I just need to make a certain amount of money and not be miserable. And if that's you, that's totally okay. No shame, no judgment. That's all right. But you need to be conscious of what the purpose of work is. For other people, it's they need to feel really creative and have a lot of leadership and influence and ability to shape things. And if that's you and you're not getting that, then we need to shift things so you can. So it's just really important that we have that self-awareness and that honesty about where we're at in our work lives and what is most enlivening to us. And the other night when I was with these beautiful, this beautiful group of women physicians, we were just talking about this beautiful range. It's like some people were, their truth was to leave the, the medical industry altogether and that was right for them. They needed to switch their careers. For other women, it was about changing practices or changing specialties to feel more in alignment. And for others, it was about changing roles, going from less direct service into more leadership and management. And so there's no right or wrong way. Um, other women were talking about the importance of noticing where they felt really fulfilled and in flow and where they didn't. And it was more of a subtle perceptual shift. So they needed to just feel 
that they were emphasizing in their mind, like a mindfulness practice every single day, what was feeling good, what was feeling fulfilling, and not allowing the mind to get caught in the things that weren't working, which were actually fewer than the things that were working. So you can see there's just such a range and there's such a diversity in how we need to address satisfaction or dissatisfaction at work. And the critical thing here is that I hope these reflective questions can help your mind to get jogged and to think about where you're at and what might need to shift from here. Beautiful. So I'm going to move on now to support you to do a little bit of reflection on your personal life. And your personal life, you know, it can encompass so many things. In many ways, I don't like to divide the areas of, of life up, but sometimes it can be useful for practical purposes. Um, but your personal life is, it can be so many things. It can be your relationships with a partner or a child. It can be your health. It can be your spiritual life. It can be your financial life, your creative life. But the sky's the limit. It's really looking at the whole picture of your life, okay? So if you're able to, um, I would invite you to close your eyes. And if you're driving or doing something else, you certainly don't need to. But I want you to just take a breath and imagine a day where you have no work, no children to take care of, no partner to respond to, no familial or friend obligations, no external deadlines for big projects, nothing that you need to do. It's almost like a day that doesn't exist in adult life. It's this fantasy day, this hypothetical imagination space. And you wake up, it's gorgeous weather outside, and you feel well in body, in mind, and in spirit. And so when you have this space and this openness, this emptiness, this blank moment of wellness, I want you to ask yourself, what would you naturally do if you were left to your own rhythms and instincts? And you can open your eyes if you were able to close them. And now I want you to just brain dump anything and everything that came to mind, visual images, words, even things that are surprising or nonlinear. But what would you do? What would you naturally organically do if left to your own instincts and rhythms on this day? What would your body love to do? And just brain dump. And again, take as much time as you want. You can pause the recording. But after you've done that, the second question is, now I want you to come back into your everyday life, the days that we more honestly live as adults. We, we very rarely get days like that, but we've got all our responsibilities. We've got work, maybe children, maybe spouses or partners, people we're dating, maybe a breakup, our heart is hurting. We've got being single, whatever that status looks like for you. We've got the family and friends that we love and want to stay in connection with. We've got our homes. We've got our own health. We've got the stressors that we're dealing with. And I want you to become the witness of your own mind and your own behaviors and actions throughout an ordinary day. And I want you to ask yourself, what does my mind automatically start thinking about throughout the day? 
And I'm not talking about those stressful kind of monkey mind thoughts of, I got to take the trash out. Oh my God, I didn't sleep enough. And all those things. I'm more talking about where does your brain, where does your prefrontal cortex automatically start going? Does it start planning the workday? Does it start thinking about your health routines? Does it start thinking about an aging parent you need to take care of? Where does it go? Once you've completed that question, a continuation is, what do you start daydreaming about in your mind, planning around, getting excited about, or looking forward to? What keeps you going? The next question, when it comes to all the areas of your life, where do you notice that you're most organized? Perhaps it's your finances or your work schedule, your kids' schedule, or your diet and exercise routines. Maybe it's your social calendar or family visits. Maybe it's about what book you're going to read next or your physical environment, your closet. But where do you notice that you're the most organized? And then on the flip side, where are you the most disorganized? Next question, what do you notice you spend your time doing? So if you track from wake until sleep, how many hours do you notice that you're spending on different things? And this is a really powerful exercise. It can be particularly powerful around screen time. You know, people who we think we're not addicted to our devices or not addicted to social media, you can put on, you know, the little screen time tracker on your phone, that app if you want. But what are you spending your time doing? Is it at work? Is it on your health? Is it connecting with loved ones? Is it on social media? Is it watching Netflix? No judgment, just noticing where does your time go? Two more questions. What are the types of physical objects that surround you in your living environment? And what do you feel most proud of about yourself in your life? So again, I've gone through these questions very quickly. The intention here is for you to take two to five minutes, even more if you want, really just stream of consciousness, brain dumping your responses to these answers. So the next step is that once you've gone through and answered all of these questions for yourself, both personally and professionally, I want you to go back, particularly in the personal section, and start circling the themes of what repeats itself. Okay, so in all of those questions, what repeats itself? And this is something that I've adapted from something I learned um, from a man named John, Dr. John Martini. He has something called the values determination process. And if you're interested in that, you can find it by looking him up, Dr. John Martini. And it doesn't cost any money to do the values determination. Um, but I've adapted it in my work with women and, and just sort of made it a little bit more my own in my understanding of working with people over so many years. So when you start noticing the patterns, I want you to recognize that these patterns of, you know, what you think about, what you would do if you had a blank day, what surrounds you, 
These are all clues about your values, your personal values. And we all have different values. No two people's values are exactly the same. We might have commonality with other folks, but we are completely unique. Just like our souls are unique. They're like a one-time event in the universe. Our values are the same way. And they also ebb and flow and morph and change over the course of the life cycle. And so I frequently come back to my values whenever I'm in a phase of transition or seasonal change or a major change in my life and I'm not feeling oriented, I will go through these inquiries and these questions and ask myself, essentially, what is most important right now? What do I need to orient to? What is, what is my North Star for this season or period of time? So when you get those clues about your values, then I want you to start thinking about how can you incorporate more of your values across the board in your life, but most specifically, in your work in the world. And at first it may be confusing, right? Like, okay, I have all these values about being outdoors or connecting with my loved ones or taking care of my health, whatever it might be, but I'm in a job where I feel like I can't do that or it's the opposite of that. And where I really like to challenge and support my clients is to think about, well, is that really true? We have a story that I can't, that there's no way to integrate this into my work life. But if we go a little further, and again, we give ourselves permission for that desire or that wanting, usually there are very creative solutions or ways of integrating our values more deeply into our work life. And so if that's the case, we might need to think about, okay, well, can I start to form, if relationships are really important to me, can I start to prioritize my relationship with my colleagues or my coworkers more? Or if getting outside for a walk is really important, can I spend my lunch break outside for a walk? You know, even though that might not be company culture or other people look down on it, maybe we can. Or it might mean we actually need to go back to school to train in something else so that we go to work every day feeling excited about our exchange and our service in the world. So there's no right or wrong. We're all going to be different in this way, but I really encourage you to ask the questions and to do the examination so that you're not just accepting dissatisfaction as the baseline for your life or for your work life. I think that is tragic. And I think not only do you lose out, but the world loses out when women are not feeling inspired and engaged and energized by what they're doing with most of their time and life force. So I hope this has been helpful. Again, please take as much time as you need to go through all of this and know that you're not the only one out there who is grappling with and struggling with dissatisfaction in life, whether that is at work or in personal ways. But one of the best gifts we can give ourselves is the gift of inquiry and reflection because awareness is half the cure. Awareness gives us the empowerment, the perspective, and also the analysis to understand what is working and what's not working. And then from there, we can make tangible, concrete changes. But if we don't have that awareness, if we haven't done the reflection, it's really hard to make impactful and lasting change. All right. Thank you so much for being here. As always, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you in this community. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for caring about your inner life as a woman. I look forward to connecting next time. And in the meantime, take really good care of yourself and the people around you.